0: Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow.
1: Now, here's Roy.
0: Well, at middle age, do you sometimes feel lost, afraid, or angry, maybe at yourself or at someone else? Are you wanting to be truly joyful and optimistic about the future, but you feel like your best years are all behind you? I know that's a common malady at middle age. Are you seeking at long last both to display and in return receive unconditional love? I think we can all agree that we won't be happy and content for long unless we love ourselves just for who we are, false and all, and we love others just for who they are and don't try to prejudge or feel like we're superior to them. So how about you? Deep inside, are you comfortable with the person that you think you are now? And do you have well-defined, self-affirming goals along with a clear understanding of what you were placed on this earth to accomplish? Of course, it's perfectly okay, in fact, admirable to continually strive for self-improvement so long as your self-assessment and goals are realistic and you don't beat yourself up over every uh, perceived setback and you don't continually blame someone else for uh, your perceived failings. That really leads to nothing, does it? And also, who can be happy and fulfilled without warm, caring relationships with others? And when you think about it, the most essential ingredient in a mutually beneficial relationship is love for others just the way they are. And today we're going to talk about unconditional love, both for ourselves and for others, And oddly enough, my guest, Dr. Jean Sander, grew up believing she was not good enough and wasn't deserving of other folks' love and affection. And it got worse. In her early 20s, Jean uh, held a pistol to her her head and pulled the trigger. And the only reason she's here with us today is the gun jammed. And uh, thankfully, before trying again, uh, Jean gave her life a second look. And in the long years since, Dr. Jean uh, Sonner has uh, adopted an unabashedly positive outlook on life and has continually... Striving to help folks like you and me display unconditional love both for ourselves and for others. And Dr. Jean Sander has a bachelor's degree in psychology, a master's in education, and her doctorate in spiritual studies. She uh, loved teaching high school for 10 years, then became a college instructor and instructional specialist for 20 years. And retired is not a word that Jean understands. Since 2005, she's been extremely active in her community as a speaker, facilitator, stage actor, director, coach, and teacher, and she's founder and president of Students for Unconditional Love, that's uh, S-O-U-L, I love that, in Southern California. And she's author of two books, including uh, an updated book that's uh, just coming out uh, In early June called Finding Unconditional Love, A Little Peace at a Time, and that's P-E-A-C-E, at a Time. And hello, Dr. Jean, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age.
2: Well, hello, Roy. And what a fabulous introduction. Thank you so much for sharing all of that information.
0: Well, it's indeed um, a pleasure to speak with someone who, like me, believes that retiring from a job or career by no means means that we are retiring from life
2: <laughs> That's very true and I have read your book, and I have loved it and it has wonderful advice for folks to keep alive after you know after our Forty years of work or whatever. Yeah, it it doesn't end there, does it?
0: Well, let's start from the beginning and get the bad stuff out of the way. In your early twenties, okay. you put a pistol to your head and pulled the trigger, and thank God the pistol jammed. Can you briefly describe the circumstances that drove you to the point of uh, trying to take your own life?
2: Um, there were there were several significant uh, issues that were going on. Uh, my father was uh, abusive. In, physically emotionally mentally uh, and and sexually inappropriate yeah. um so i did not have a very good self image my mother was beautiful and intelligent and i felt totally inadequate my brother was very talented and i felt inadequate um and so i was going through a lot in my teens and then um in the 60s being gay You didn't know very much about that. You didn't know very much about, I didn't know very much about homosexuality at that time or whatever, and I found myself having inclinations that I didn't understand, and so I basically ignored them, put them aside, um, went to college, um... And there was an event that happened while I was in college that was um, somewhat traumatic, but I can talk about that a little bit later. But then... I met the ideal son in law for my mother and married him <laughs> was, um, you know he was just and he was wonderful i you know really he was a he was a wonderful person, and I loved him as a person, yeah. but it was after I married him that I realized, no, this is not who I am i'm yeah. gay or whatever that meant, and I knew that I could never love uh brenda that to that degree, in the, in the right way, and yeah. I felt like all I was doing was creating problems, Roy. I just felt like, you know, I was disappointing everybody, and and felt like, you know, I'm causing my husband pain and his family pain, and, and so I just decided to get rid of the source of the pain. You know? and so. That's why that I was in my, my head.
0: My yeah. Getting I rid think of it's yourself.
2: <laughs> yeah, getting rid of myself. Well, if I'm the source of the pain, let's, let's get rid of that. But, I, you know, it's, that was obviously, you know, uh, a bit off, so to speak. But But that's where I was. And yeah. I had no self worth. And not only no self worth, I saw myself as. A detriment rather than an asset, well, what a, and what a so uh, that was where I was.
0: understanding to have. I mean, I've I've heard of uh, people that were down on themselves, but to uh, consider a wonderful person like you are as a detriment to everyone else is really hard to believe. But uh, well, a number of our listeners have teenage sons and daughters. And as you know, teen suicides are at an all-time high. Are there some common signs that we as parents should watch out for in our teens' behavior? And more importantly, is there anything we as parents can and should do before it's too late to help restore self-esteem and and our teens' hope for the future? Is is it really realistic to think we can uh, make a difference?
2: Yes, it is realistic to think you can make a difference. And I think the key... Would be to sit the children down and say, "You know uh, you know i 've heard a lot of teenagers having problems and committing suicide, and I need to know where you are and just have a sit down adult tell them I want to have an adult conversation with you about where you are and how how you 're doing um, Feel free to share with me where I have failed you, where maybe I've made some mistakes, and then apologize. Do not become defensive. Um,
0: and please you know, don't what be would, judgmental.
1: Would,
2: right, and don't be judgmental. And 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 a lot of times the teenagers that are committing suicide are finding themselves gay, and they don't know how to present that to their parents, particularly if their parents are very involved in a church that looks down on homosexuality. Yeah, so they're trapped. You know, judgment
0: of uh, what's right yeah. and what's wrong is just so counterproductive.
1: <laughs>
2: It, it really is, and it, and it means that they cannot be accepted for who they are and that they're going to disappoint their parents. And And, and as a teen, that's one of the last things you want to do um, is, is disappoint your folks. So there yeah. have to be some – and if anybody has – problems with thinking about having this conversation, then I hope that they seek counseling first, the parents do, to find out what is the best way to approach this and what should I be prepared for and how do I avoid being defensive and how do I provide support but still do not relinquish my own personal beliefs. And that's the trick. You know, you don't you don't have to change yourself, but we hopefully will embrace every one of God's children for who they are. And um, the worst thing you so, can do
0: is somehow uh, encourage some uh, treat your uh, son or daughter as different and um, like they're somehow offending you in the fact that they're gay or whatever is an that's insult right. to you and, um, as a parent, because that's, that's the worst thing. It's not about you, it's well, about the, the child.
2: That's exactly right. Yeah, and they're not an embarrassment, and they're not a whatever. Yeah. And, and, and I think that sometimes we have children that are different from ourselves in order to help us grow yeah. spiritually in unconditional love. Okay. No conditions. <laughs> Uh, you know, um an and and so point. if we're challenged with that, then then our unconditional love muscles uh develop, <laughs> yeah. so um but if, as far as the teenagers are concerned, and and as far as finding signs and symptoms, okay, now this is this is very important. Most people, I don't think anyone actually would have known that I was at the point of suicide mm-hmm. because I covered it up very well. Huh. Okay,
0: and then after uh, the, the other fact, thing, you feel guilty that you didn't pick up on it when the person was still alive. I know that's a,
2: a yeah, and uh, this is trick. unfortunate because we don't normal people <laughs> do not think or look through the lens of suicide, <laughs> so they will not see the signs. They're on a different road. than the the person who's on the road of suicide. So the now when they've done it and you look back, oh, I should have seen that. No, you shouldn't have seen that. You were on a different road. So the worst thing that we can do to ourselves is blame ourselves. There are many, many facets to a person's decision to commit suicide. No yeah. one person, no one event can cause a, an individual to get to that point and to actually pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, you might get to the point and, and, you know, take some pills and then throw up, you know, and then you realize yeah. where you are. But, but I'm hoping that no one goes back and blames themselves for not seeing the signs because, You wouldn't. Through normal eyes, you would not be picking up on these these uh, behaviors or whatever as potential signposts for suicide. So, you know, that would be very important not to not to go there.
0: Okay. Well, uh, enough of the tough stuff. Let's move on to recovery. Okay. Uh, when years okay. ago that pistol jammed, what inspired you to try again, instead uh, not to try again, instead to uh, challenge that false belief that you weren't good enough? How in the world were you able to launch transition from desperate young adult to the empathetic, bubbly personality you are today? And uh, <laughs> who did you turn to for help? And uh, how did how did it occur that uh, that wonderful transition?
2: Actually, my mentor was Jesus.
1: That's um, not a bad one my, to have. <laughs>
2: no, I, he's, he's been pretty good ever since I was four years old, actually. Yeah. Um, but in my teens, I worked very hard to forgive my dad. And oh, yeah. several things happened um, that established a spiritual foundation that I ultimately turned to. After oh. the gun jammed, my hand started shaking, and I realized what in the heck I had done. So I put the gun down and decided, okay, there's there's got to be a better way. But the foundation had been established in my teens oh. in trying to forgive my dad.
1: Oh, that's good.
2: Yeah. See what happened was I was having I was having a conversation with Jesus. I don't know if anybody thinks I'm crazy still, but um and I was saying, Okay, I don't know how to forgive. Okay. Yeah. And so I was guided to read the the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and to search for what did Jesus do about forgiveness. Yeah. Well it was shocking, Roy. It was shocking. Because what I discovered was Jesus never forgave. Huh. He always said, your sins are forgiven. Oh. He never said, I forgive you. Okay. And there's a key there that I learned. He never forgave because he never condemned. Huh. He never judged. Okay. See, the first thing that has to happen when you're wanting somebody to, um, to forgive is that you have judged first. Yeah. And that that brings problems. So I was judging Dad. So I you know, so I was learning the lesson and then I said, Yeah, but his behavior deserves condemnation. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, don't tell me that this yeah. is the right behavior. It isn't So then I said, And what did you say on the cross? You said, Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. And I got corrected, Roy. Huh? I got corrected. Yeah. Jesus said at least that's what I was told in this conversation that I was having. Yeah. Father, forgive them, for they know not who they are.
0: Yeah, that's a good, good way to put it.
2: See, now my dad knew what he was doing, but now I could look at him as a child of God who didn't know who he was. And if yeah. he had known who he was, he wouldn't be doing what he was doing. Now yeah. this gave me the opportunity to forgive. To not not to worry about what he was doing, but to have compassion for someone who is going through life without knowing how much he is loved by God.
1: Yeah,
0: and how much he's so hurting that other me people by what he's doing. I, I don't think really he's in a position when he, when he doesn't love himself and realize that he's loved by God that... Uh, He probably doesn't realize just how hurtful his behavior is to others, or maybe he does, I don't know.
2: Well, to to me, what I've learned is that there are basically only two emotions from which all other emotions stem, and those two emotions are love and fear.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
2: Okay, so when somebody is acting out, when they are coming from something other than love, they are coming from fear, and the only antidote to fear is love.
0: Yeah, and, and so when, when somebody is attacking say, us. When you talk about hate, really hate stems from fear. You're afraid yes, of something does. that somebody's going to do to you, or afraid of that person deep down, and that's why you develop so called hate for them.
2: That's exactly right. And prejudice comes from fear, and yes. um, you know, frustration comes from fear. All negative emotions come from fear. So when we're feeling something other than love, the the first place to begin is for us to look at well, what am I really afraid of? Am I yeah. afraid of being rejected? Am I afraid of uh, being dismissed? Am I afraid of being hurt? Am I afraid? You know, and so then we need to look at that fear, um, and realize that fears are illusions that, that disappear in the light. Uh, when we, when we have the light of the Lord or the, the light of love, then fear disappears, you know, it's then so, um, but one of the biggest lessons I learned, um, if you don't mind my sharing this now, I know teenagers listen to this. So, uh, you know, should I, um, I don't know if I should talk about this subject. um, let me try it and stop me if you think I shouldn't oh, no, go any definitely. further. But when I was uh, 19, um, <clears throat> I was raped by somebody I did not know, and oh. I, was in, I was visiting a different state. Um, hmm. I had gone with my cousin uh, to another state. and Anyway, so it's a long story there, but that's in the book. But what I want to share is what came of that, and there's so many lessons. When I was raised in the country, and we never locked our doors, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so we just, everybody just, you know, was it's able to get the It's hard to
1: imagine
0: these days. But they're, they're yes, it is. To...
2: But um, so when I came back home from that incident, the first night I was home, and I was living by myself. I was in an apartment, and I was living by myself, and I, and I went to the front door to lock it for the first time in my life. Oh, wow. And I stopped when I had my hand on the lock. And I said, and I believe that this comes from the spiritual foundation that I had, you know, that person has no more control over me. They had control over my body for a short period of time, but I am not going to give them any more more control over my life. I have a choice, love or fear, and I'm not going to live in fear. So I chose love.
0: If only all uh, rape victims could come up with that conclusion that it's it's not, you know, you don't have to fear that person anymore, and you don't let them dominate the rest of your life, even despite the despicable thing they did.
2: Yeah, they, 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 we can. We have the power. We get to choose what we're going to do. And I wanted to choose love for the rest of my life. And I went to bed without locking the door that night. Hmm. Um, or, or, or you know, from that point. But what I'm trying to share here is that it is very important for us to come to the realization that life is really very simple. It is a choice between divine love, unconditional love, and fear. And that every moment in our lives, we're either coming from ego, which is the origin of fear, or we're coming from <laughs> spirit, which is the origin of divine love. And so we get to make that choice. And I, and so I decided from that point on that I'm going to live my life doing only the things that I love to do. Whatever the consequences are of that choice, I will live in love.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, your website, jeans. Banner dot, uh, dot love, and that's an interesting website. Dot love instead of dot com.
2: Dot uh, com, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I like I like that it, too. It presents
0: seven significant steps to lasting peace and joy, steps that can set you free from pain, fear, sorrow, conflict, and separation, and open our hearts to unconditional love. And to discover all seven, folks will need to go to your website. But perhaps you can talk about the first two. Uh, you present step one, decision, willingness, and courage. It sounds great, but we all know it's so easy to uh, cling to the present. Even though we're miserable in our lives today, we manufacture excuses for uh, for doing so and clinging to the present, even if we're not happy with where we are. And how best can we convince ourselves, as you put it, to decide that we're no longer willing to stay where we're at?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Well, when they go to the website, They'll see when they get to this step. They'll see a picture, which uh-huh. is absolutely delightful to me. <laughs> just, I I have to giggle every time I see this picture. And it's it's a bunch of ducks, and yeah. they're very up high on uh, some ledge, and it's obviously over the water. And there's this one duck that's just it has <laughs> leapt off of that ledge and it's <laughs> heading on down, and all the other ducks are up there looking like. What what are you doing? You know, so they're waiting to see what's going to happen to this little duck that has decided to go over the edge.
1: Um,
2: And I think, you know, that there is a lot to that picture in that sometimes we're reluctant. We're on the precipice and maybe we need to have someone in our lives. Uh, or like you with your book, um, like Jesus who led without um, worry or concern. Find a mentor, um, Gandhi, Buddha. Yeah. Find someone who was true to themselves. You know, the most important thing is for us to be true to ourselves. But the question is, who is ourselves? If we identify as a child of God, then we know that we are not only loved, we are love. We don't have to seek it. We don't have to try to find love or happiness or joy. We are those things. It's a matter of unveiling the truth of who we are to express them outwardly. So the first step is to decide, I no longer want to be sad. God's yeah. children should not be sad. God And nobody children can make me be, be sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and that's They exactly can do right. bad nobody things can... to me,
0: but nobody can uh, force how I react to what happens.
2: Amen, Roy. Amen. Uh, we're the ones that get to decide. Everything in life is neutral. Yeah. Everything is neutral. We're the ones that write what it means on each event. So like with the rape, I mean, I know it was horrible, and yet it gave me the most freedom of anything that I've ever had happen to me because I had to make a definitive choice between fear and love for the rest of my life. So I wish I could have learned that lesson a different way, (laughs) but the fact is I learned the lesson, and I have lived a, a life of joy since.
0: A so, few moments of pain and a lifetime of uh, joy is, is, in hindsight, almost worthwhile. Even though no one obviously wants to go through a rape or a, an awful. No, but like that's a that. good
2: title for a book, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might write that one. <laughs> well, in
0: step two, you talk about grabbing into a life-changing formula: P plus B equals E equals A. Can you briefly describe what that? Uh, formula is all about because I
2: think it yes and you basically have indicated it through what you're doing the P it's P plus B and I always tell people if you want to remember think of peanut butter Um, (laughs) equals E equals A so the P stands for perceptions the B stands for beliefs so our perceptions and our beliefs are what create our emotions Now, our emotions do not create our actions. A lot of people think that they did something out of love or they did it out of fear or they did it out of frustration. But they really did it because of what their perceptions and their beliefs are. But the emotions serve as the fuel for that action. Mm -hmm. So if you have a minute, if we have enough time, I can give an example of how that works. Yeah,
0: sure. Go ahead and give us an example.
2: Okay. Um, All right. My wife, Laura, <laughs> and we've been together forty years now. Um, and we, we celebrated our fortieth togetherness uh, date in March. Um, okay, so she always had the habit of leaving drawers open <laughs> in the kitchen, in the bedroom, in the in the ki- in the bathroom. You know, I'd walk around the corner, and I had more bruises on my knees and my <laughs> walking around the corner, running into the.
0: My I, I, I wife me of that also, <laughs>
2: leaving drawers open. And <laughs> leaving drawers open. or cabinets, you know, and then yeah. you get your head on. So anyway, Laura was at work one day, and I was uh, walking around the house and ran into a drawer, and, and I was saying to myself, you know, Laura, how difficult is it to close the drawer? I mean, you open the drawer. How difficult is it? And then I realized, no, I don't want to be there. Hmm. I don't want to be attacking. I don't want to be negative. I love her, etc. Yeah, And I follow something called A Course in Miracles. There are many fabulous principles in, in that philosophy. And one of them is um, that I can choose to see things differently. Yeah. So I decided at that moment, I'm going to see this differently. And what came to me was, I would much rather have drawers open in my life and have Laura than to have drawers closed in my life always and not have Laura. That's a great way to
0: put it, just like the person that uh, stays in the house all the time so he or she can avoid possibly confrontation and thereby has no relationships or anything else, but uh, they're safe but hollow.
2: Yeah, and 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 but what happened was then after I realized, oh gosh, I would really rather have Laura in my life so then I started closing the drawers and saying Hi honey, I'm thinking about you. Love you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Close the next drawer. I'm, you know, can't wait for you to get home. Close the next drawer and I'm and I'm very genuine in each of those things. And so there I am, happy as a, a lark, thinking of Laura and the one I love and I can't wait till she gets home and I'm closing the drawers. And it was, do you see what happens? So my perception of yeah. drawers being open being bad and my belief that they should be closed, all these shoulds. We lay a lot of shoulds on our Um, And so then I changed my perception and I changed my belief and that changed my feelings and my actions. And so it's, it's that kind of thing. We get to make these choices. So um, that that's how the formula works. Uh, yeah, Perception plus beliefs I mean, equals emotion. Generating effects.
0: all that anger, which really accomplishes nothing because Laura wasn't even there at the time.
2: And no, she wasn't there. If,
0: if she was <laughs> and you got into a big fight over
2: it,
0: <laughs> instead you're, you're generating that, the feeling of love and the... Uh, and appreciation for who she is, and uh, and, and translating that to a positive yeah. purpose. So then
2: I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, closing the drawers, and then we finally got drawers that close by themselves. You know, you just <laughs> touch them, and they. Now we have no problems whatsoever. That was the real <laughs> solution. Well,
0: let's talk a bit about your uh, brand new updated book, Finding Unconditional Love, a little piece at a time. Uh, who should read your book, and uh, who will benefit most from reading it?
2: Um, I think people who are struggling with um, negative self-images, people who are looking for spiritual solutions to earthly problems, okay? Um, It is a spiritually-based book because it is my spiritual journey from self-hatred to self-love and unconditional love, For others as well.
0: You went a heck of a lot Um, longer, uh, way further journey than uh, most people do. When you went from the brink of suicide to the wonderful person you are today, it's a it's a heck of a long journey.
2: (laughs) Well, when you have Jesus holding your hand, um, it makes a huge difference. No, Um, No. and yeah, he's he's my mentor, and um, now I happen to have been raised in a in a Christian environment so if somebody had been raised buddhist then maybe buddha would be the yeah. embodiment of their love so i have no you know it doesn't have to be my way or trailways kind of thing um but to know that we are loved to know that there is something greater than we are that loves us unconditionally uh in the book i talk about two incidents that um where i was uh touched spiritually in a way that just you cannot put into words. There, there, there's no, no way to describe the love, um, the joy, the peace and, um, so, I hope people, if they get the book and read the book that that, that those moments um, will be an inspiration to them. Now, the only thing I do hope is that people don't feel like, okay well, why haven't I had those experiences, and what, you know what can I do to have those experiences? We cannot generate um the experiences that I'm talking about in my book—they yeah. they have to come spontaneously, uh, out of where we are spiritually, out of yeah. where our um, where our truth lies. So and also, it, it, you it, don't
0: have to have an instantaneous born again experience like a lot of people talk about. It, it may be a extended process. That uh, but if you open yourself up spiritually, the messages will come to you in that, that wonderful feeling you're describing. <laughs>
2: Yes. Seek and ye shall find. Yeah. And I agree with you. It doesn't necessarily. And, you know, my forgiving my dad took years and years and years. I mean, it was, you know, I would get to a point where I thought, ah. I've finally forgiven him. I'm happy. And then he would say something or do something, and I'd start all over. Okay, I've got to go through this. You know? But the, the process got easier each time, and ultimately there was a, a final interaction between the two of us that, that um, I'm very blessed to have had an opportunity to experience. So um, that's in the book, too.
0: Well, I recently signed on to Amazon and uncovered a book that uh, you published back in November of 2011, but you're telling folks not to purchase that uh, 2011 version, but rather a brand-new updated version that will be released when. It's about
1: to say. Uh... Uh,
2: well, it just went to the printer this week, so it probably will be available sometime in um, in early June or something, something to that effect. I'm going to be putting it on my. I'll put something on my website. There is a particular day that I want to to have as a launch date, mm-hmm. where I'm hoping that people will purchase the book on that particular date. Yes. And I'm going to put that date on my website, which again is Jeannie Sanner, and my name is spelled J-E-A-N-N-E. And the last name is just like Sinner, only the second letter is an A, (laughs) -A S-A-N-N-E-R. So it's Love. And I will have a date on there um, probably June 8th or June 17th or something like that. And I'm hoping that that will be the launch date. And if people are interested in purchasing the book, they'll get the newest version on that date. And that would be a a wonderful day for me.
0: In the meantime, I highly recommend you go to Jean's uh, website because she's got – a lot of wonderful information right there that uh, even some downloading, uh, some material will be downloaded that uh, would be of great benefit. But then you can also keep up with uh, when that book will be released. And in conclusion, hey, folks, sit back and close your eyes for a minute and imagine the new you. As Dean puts it, I can now say that I know there is peace that passes all understanding. I can now say that I know there is such a thing as unconditional love, both as a gift I can give to others and as a gift I can receive, and a gift we can receive from the Holy Spirit, the universal presence. And if you're a Christian, obviously from Jesus Christ. And I can now say that I know the joy so deep and sorrow so diminished And I can now say that I know what real freedom is, and best of all, I genuinely want everyone else to experience what I have. And uh, that's really the true sign of uh, having uh, turned over a new leaf is when you want the same for others that you have for yourself, because no one really uh, renews in a vacuum. And to achieve this peace of mind, I highly recommend you uh, preview and purchase uh, Jean Sannon's updated book when it's available and go to her website in the meantime. And uh, thanks again, Jean, uh, for joining us and and best of success on this new book. I think it's something that everyone should read.
2: Well, God bless you, Roy. Thank you very much for having me on, and uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. God bless. Take care.
0: Thank you. Wow, that was one inspiring interview. Jean Sanner is a remarkable lady who, with God's help, has turned her life around from attempted suicide in her 20s to today's unconditional love for herself and for others. And I also greatly admire Jean's message of tolerance for those whose belief systems may be different from that of our own. Isn't it wonderful when everyone respects everyone else and all this petty squabbling is, uh, is something of the past. And during the interview, Jean had some very kind words to say about my book, A Midlife Challenge Wake Up by Roy C. Richards. So let me take a few moments to tell you a little more about it uh, so you know a little more about my book. First of all, the book's subtitle describes it well, Renewal for Men and Women in Their 30s, 40s, 50s, and Beyond. And believe it or not, our middle years should be our very best years ever. How about you? Are you enjoying your life at midstream? I certainly hope you are. In contrast, are your middle years far less joyful and fulfilling than you had expected and intended them to be? Are you among the millions over age 40 who were burdened down by that those twin demons, unfulfilled dreams, and diminished expectations? Maybe uh, with an irrational uh, fear of tomorrow, a dead-end career, uh, troubled relationships, maybe even a broken marriage, or simply an uninspiring, same old, same old daily routine and an attitude that goes with it. No, you are not destined to live out the second half of life in these, at worst, traumatic, and at best, uninspiring circumstances. In fact, my book is written precisely for you to restore the joy of daily living, reestablish positive expectations to your life, and a spirit of adventure. You know, almost by accident, a few years back, I awakened from 30 years of what I now called sleepwalking through life, and you can too. A positive realization dawned, persons like me in the middle of life need not abandon our dreams for a joyful fulfilling and prosperous second half of life precisely on our own terms of course first we need to define clearly what our own terms are what we really want out of life instead for most of us middle age is an ideal turning point a point in time to reassess the present where we are today creatively map out our future Uh, where we really want to be and where we want to end up and how we can enjoy every step of the journey to get there because obviously we don't want to just go to sleep and wake up when we're 90 years old. (laughs) Let's enjoy the journey while we're going there. Uh, How can we take control of our own life's direction? That's probably the most important point because who would you rather have control of your life than you yourself? (laughs) Aren't you the most qualified uh, to manage your own life? And unlike me, you need not wait 30 years to wake up to life. Oh, sure, over those 30 years, I experienced some great times and made good money, made a number of good friends, but I never really felt like I was in control. And you need not suffer from years of discomfort or count upon a once-in-lifetime chance good fortune, often which does not come true. You know, over 18 chapters, I lay out a comprehensive renewal blueprint. It includes 21 self-help exercises, which I strongly encourage you to complete if you want to get the maximum benefit out of the book. And all these exercises will help you overcome obstacles and reinvigorate your life at midstream. And my book will inspire any middle-aged woman or man who is earnestly committed to restoring positive emotions, challenging new personal frontiers, and re-entering life's purposeful mainstream. Beginning this very day, get back on the train, get out of bed. It's time for midlife renewal. And you can buy my book at uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or on our website, MiddleAgeRenewal.com. Once again, that title, A Midlife A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, by a good old me, Roy C. Richards. And I trust you will preview and purchase my book because it's written just for you. And that's our program for today. Thanks a million for joining us. And I trust you'll tune in again next week for Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and crew, restart your engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal training system by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com.